How's everybody doing today? You good? Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020, new decade. Pretty exciting. Uh, we are beginning a brand new series here called Kingdom Living, and I'm excited to introduce that to you today. As we get in, uh, I just have a question for you. How many of you have been to Gettysburg? Just down the road, Gettysburg? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of uh, summers ago, our family went to Gettysburg. We were there the first week of July. So apparently Gettysburg in summer is pretty hot, and we got the audio tour to drive around, and the air conditioning quit working in our car. And so we were sweating. It was hot. And, uh, you know, visiting that battlefield, as as many of you know, is an incredible experience. And uh, you drive around, you see the monuments, you begin to think about the soldiers who gave their life on that land. It really is an amazing, humbling experience. Uh, we did come across a, a marker. Now, this is my favorite part for a man named Strong Vincent. And I, my last name is Vincent. So I thought that was pretty cool. I flexed my muscle, you know, got my, my picture taken there. You know, could be a relative of mine. Who knows? Well, after that battle, the Battle of Gettysburg, the Americans knew that a great speech was coming. And they knew it was going to happen at Gettysburg, where a new cemetery was being built. We visited that cemetery, as many of you have. And what shocked me is that I realized that the keynote speaker for the Gettysburg Address was not Abraham Lincoln. Did you guys know that? It was a man named Edward Everett. Crazy. He's a Massachusetts statesman and orator named Edward Everett. He was the main speaker. And Lincoln was just kind of invited to deliver a few appropriate remarks. Crazy, right? So on that day, Everett gets up. He speaks for two hours. He chronicles the entire Civil War. Did I mention he was a preacher? Maybe that's where they got the saying, never give the preacher the microphone. Just saying, says the preacher. He speaks for two hours. Chronicles the entire Civil War. And then Abraham Lincoln gets up. He speaks for two minutes. And it is the greatest speech in American history. It's what we know today as the Gettysburg Address. Think about that. It's incredible. See, great moments are often marked with a speech. How many of you had to memorize the Gettysburg Address? Anybody? I had to memorize that. I feel your pain. Great moments are marked with speeches. For Lincoln, it was the Gettysburg Address. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Powerful speech. A young man proposed to his girlfriend in front of all of his friends. They began to shout, speech, speech, speech. But the greatest speech of all time was not given in front of a monument or on a battlefield, but on a hillside in Galilee. We have that speech in our Bibles, in Matthew, chapter 5 to 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. 
And it goes without saying, this was not just a speech, it was more than a speech. This is Jesus' most famous sermon. Very powerful, powerful speech. And, uh, you know, many of the, the sayings from this speech are a part of our everyday language. Things like, do unto others, or judge not, or turn the other cheek. These are some of the most loved most memorized, most quoted, most famous teachings of Jesus. It's right here in the Sermon on the Mount. You're here today, whether you're into Jesus or not. This little speech, which is about the length of a TED Talk, is is probably one of the most, gives you a most powerful sense of who Jesus is and what he's all about. The Sermon on the Mount, it is the essential Jesus. And so if you were only going to read three chapters of the Bible in your entire life, this is it. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most important passages in the Bible in all of Christianity. If I could only have a few pages of the Bible, I would choose these, Matthew 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Over the course of my Christian life, Spent a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount, wrestling with it, um, thinking about it, teaching it, preaching it. This is the greatest, most powerful, most inspiring speech ever. And I couldn't be more excited at the start of 2020 to begin this series with us as a church, calling it Kingdom Living, and it's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so today, I want to introduce this series and talk about what this what the next 21 weeks holds for you. I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus might change your life as we begin to study this life-changing speech. And I just believe today that Jesus is going to speak to you. You're not here by accident. So look who shows up. Let's let's open it up. Matthew chapter 5. And and we'll really get into the actual speech beginning next week. We're going to look at the Beatitudes which is a very famous section of this speech. But today we we just want to introduce it. And we're looking at who's there on that day. Who is Jesus speaking to? He's going to be speaking to you. Check this out. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. This is where you get the Sermon on the Mount. He's up on the mountainside. On the hillside there, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, it's a very beautiful spot. Um, He went up on a mountainside, he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So as Jesus begins this sermon, do you see there's two groups there? There's the disciples, and who else is there? The crowds, right? Two groups there that day, the crowds and the disciples, And maybe you're here today and you're a disciple. Jesus wants to speak to you. Maybe you're here, you're a part of the crowd. You're checking Jesus out. We're glad you're here today. Jesus wants to speak to you. But my question for you at the beginning of 2020 is is really this. It's a question Scott asked last week. It's the question, where are you? Where are you on that hill? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be a part of the, are you in the crowd or do you want to be a disciple? Crowd or disciple? And I want to help you answer that question today because I believe Jesus wants to speak to you. 
So let's pray, okay? We'll dive right in. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the beginning of a new year and a new series. Uh, it, it, it is exciting to be here, to have this opportunity to learn from Jesus. And I just pray that our lives would be changed. I pray that it would, it would sink down deep into our hearts. God, do a work now through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, let's dive into this, this introduction. There's two people here listening to Jesus. She's getting ready to, to give this famous speech, which we're going to get into next week. Jesus speaks to the crowds. And Jesus is speaking to the crowds, even today. How many of you have been in a crowded place? Have you ever been in a crowd trying to see something? You know what that's like. You know what that feels like. Years ago, Angie and I were in Beijing, China. And uh, we had to see the giant pandas at the Beijing Zoo. Come on, who doesn't love a giant panda, right? I mean, you're in Beijing. You've got to see the giant pandas. Well, I guess that's what everybody in China wanted to do because the panda house was packed with people. And it was arm to arm, elbow to elbow, and everybody was trying to cut and move and push their way to the front. I was trying to get to the front so I could take a picture of a giant panda. But people kept pushing and cutting. I finally threw an elbow. And then I got my crew together and we made a wall. And we got a picture of a giant panda. It is not a good picture. Because it was a fight to get that picture. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever experienced something like that where it was a fight? Just to see something? Just to get somewhere? Now imagine what could it have been like to be in the crowds around Jesus. You ever wondered that? What would that have been like? And what's amazing is we have the stories of people who actually experienced that, who actually spent time in that crowd around Jesus. We look at uh, you know, something like Luke here, who's, uh, who's writing and giving us these, these eyewitnesses' experiences. In Luke 12:1, he describes the scene in the crowd. He says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that what? They were what? Trampling one another. This is Black Friday before there was Black Friday. They are trampling one another. That's how. Badly, they wanted to see Jesus, to get close to Jesus. There were so many thousands of people in the crowd, they were trampling on one another to see Jesus. There's another story. A woman is fighting her way through a crowd just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. You remember that story? And she touches, she touches it, and she is instantly healed and, and then it says that power went out from Jesus. And he says, who touched me? He's like, hey, who touched me? And Peter speaks up. And he says, what do you mean who touched you? Luke 8, 45. Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. 
It was a fight to see Jesus. And people are fighting just to get close to him. There's another great scene. Mark describes it. Jesus is in a house. He's teaching people. He's healing people. And there's such a great crowd. Some guys decide to start ripping the roof off the house. Do you guys remember that story? These are the crowds. Mark 2, 4. Since they could not get him, their friend, to Jesus because of the crowd, they just made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. Come on, could you imagine what it would have been like to be in that crowd where people are pressing against each other, fighting, trying to get to Jesus? We know there was a crowd of 5,000 men. Could have been ten or 15,000 people that Jesus feeds with five loaves and two pieces of bread. Now we know that when Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, we know he spoke it to a great crowd of people. And this is what it says in, in Matthew. We're setting the stage here for this great sermon. Matthew 5.1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And I can just imagine the crowds are there. They're pressing against Jesus so much that he is forced up onto a mountain to amplify a message that is going to change the world. And we go, why? Why did such great crowds follow Jesus? What was it about Jesus that drew the crowds? And, and why were people constantly fighting just to see Jesus. And I believe Matthew tells us why. The Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew chapter 5. And it is in Matthew chapter 4, right before the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew gives us this summary of Jesus' ministry. And Matthew connects the crowds here in chapter 4 with the crowds of chapter 5. Listen to this summary of Jesus' ministry. Check this out. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. These great crowds. And we go, why did such huge crowds follow Jesus? And, and we could say the, the healings, the, the, the deliverances. But, but what Matthew points it to is he says, there were great crowds following Jesus because Jesus brought the kingdom. You guys see that? Jesus was bringing the kingdom. He brought the good news of God's kingdom. And what is kingdom? In a series called Kingdom Living. We talk about kingdom a lot here. What is God's kingdom? Kingdom is very simply God's reign. It is God's action. It is what God is doing in this world. 
And wherever you see kingdom, it is good news. It's forgiveness. It's healing. It's freedom. It is the presence of God in action in your life and in this world. And Jesus brought the kingdom in a way people couldn't ignore. And Jesus is still bringing the kingdom today, isn't he? And kingdom, my friends, is always good, good news. And so Jesus is bringing the kingdom. And a great crowd shows up. He gets on a mountain. He begins to teach and to speak. And at the end of this message, Matthew says the crowds are amazed. They hear Jesus and they say, wow, this is amazing. We've never heard anything like this. Matthew 7, 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And I just believe that some of you here today, you're part of the crowd. A friend invited you. Uh, you're, you're just checking Jesus out. Okay, what is this kingdom all about? And I believe that Jesus speaks to the crowds and Jesus is speaking to you. I remember the first time in my life when I began checking Jesus out. And I began to see the reality of God for the very first time in my life. And I saw lives changed. I saw people who were set free by the joy of the Lord. I began to read my Bible and I began to experience God in a powerful way. And I just want to say, if you're here today, if you're a part of the crowd, if you're, if you're just checking this out, maybe you grew up in a Christian family, and, and I just want to say to you today, you're not far from God. You're not far from the kingdom. Jesus wants to speak to you. And the best way to figure out what this Jesus is all about is to stick with us through the series. See, I believe you're going to see the reality of a new life in God that has been made available to you today. And what's amazing is you don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove that you deserve this. The kingdom is yours. Forgiveness is yours. Salvation is yours. Heaven is yours. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the good news of the gospel. And the good news is available to every one of us here today. And the bad news is that as long as you remain separate from Christ, you remain separate from the life that he came to give you. And so today, Jesus is speaking to you. He's speaking to the crowds. And he's inviting you to come and experience the reign of heaven over your life. But someone else is there that day too. Crowds are there. And Jesus is speaking to the crowds. And then the disciples are there. Another group. And Jesus seems to be specifically speaking to his disciples. Let me show you. This is really important. Take a look at this passage one more time. Let me show you from scripture here. Matthew 5, 1 and 2 again. Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. Look at this. His disciples came to him. So there's the crowds. Jesus goes up on the mountainside. He sits down, which is a common position that a teacher would take in that day. They would sit down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. 
And so in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is specifically speaking to his disciples. And the question today is, where are you on that hill? Crowd or disciple? And I think we kind of understand, we kind of get what, a, what it's like to be in the crowd. The question is, what is a disciple? And maybe we're not as familiar with that term, or, or maybe we have ideas and, and thoughts and expectations. But the answer to that question, what is a disciple, is right here in these verses. It's right here in Matthew 5, 2. It's very clear that a disciple is two things. What's a disciple? A disciple is two things. Number one, a disciple is someone who has come to Jesus. You see that? The disciples came to him. Number two, a disciple is someone who is learning from Jesus. And he taught them. And so let's look at each of these things. What is a disciple? Number one, a disciple has come to Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. So so I want you to think about this. Picture this. When you say yes to Jesus, you are leaving the crowd and you're coming to Jesus. You're no longer a part of that crowd, are you? You have come to Christ. You've said yes to Jesus. You're with Jesus. He is in your life. His kingdom is reigning over your life. You're no longer part of that crowd. It's such a cool picture, isn't it? Because Jesus moves up the hill. What do the disciples do? They move up the hill, right? That's a cool picture. Jesus moves, the disciples move. They've come to Jesus. They're following Jesus. That's what separates us from the crowd. Listen, to go away of your own choosing is to not be a disciple. This is what separates us from the crowd. A disciple has surrendered their life to Jesus in such a way that he moves, we move. He goes up the hill, we go up the hill. He's on his way to the cross, we're on our way to the cross. He rises in victory, we're rising in victory because we are with him. We have Jesus in our life. And there is no greater joy if you're here today and you're wondering what this is all about, let me tell you, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got Jesus in my life. That's what separates me from everybody else. So if you're here today, you believe in Jesus. You've got a relationship with him. You are following him. You're A disciple. If you're with Jesus today, you're a disciple. Tomorrow when you're with Jesus, you're a disciple. Discipleship, it's attachment to Jesus. The disciples came to him. A disciple has come to Jesus. Number two, a disciple is learning from Jesus. Our passage says, the disciples came to Jesus and Jesus began to teach them. So what's a disciple? A disciple is someone who's learning from Jesus. If you are learning Christ, you're a disciple. In fact, uh, the Greek word for disciple is methetes, which means student or learner. 
And that's what we see in, in this passage. Is what we see in the New Testament. Let me just show you a couple of verses. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. This is a great verse. And some of you, this verse is for you today. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you remember what Jesus says? He says, you'll find rest for your souls. There is a salvation rest for those who come to Jesus and learn from him. Those are the exact same things we saw right there on the the mountain, right? They came to him. They learned from him. This is discipleship. Here's another one. Disciple is a learner. Luke 6.40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he or she is fully trained, will what? Will be like their teacher. So what's this saying? It's saying you're never going to be above Jesus. You're never going to get beyond Jesus. But the cool thing is you can become like Jesus. And that's our goal. That's our passion. I asked earlier, how many of you memorized the Gettysburg Address? I did that. Why did we all do that? For a class, for a grade, for the information? Listen, Jesus did not give the Sermon on the Mount for our information. He gave it for our transformation. This is a transformational learning experience. I remember years ago when I asked Angie's mom if I could marry her, or or better yet, she asked me, but that's a whole different story. And she said, I would be happy for you to marry my daughter, but there's one condition. She said, you have to learn how to use a fork. True story. See, when I was younger, I ate everything with a spoon. Do you know, like, a spoon, you can pretty much eat everything with a spoon? Say, how, do you, how did you eat meat? With a spoon. True story. Well, 19 years later, I have used a fork, right? I'm using forks now. See, she's nodding her head. She's proud of me. She knows the spoon era. About a year ago, Christu blew my mind. Blew my mind. He goes... You know, you don't have to keep switching from fork to knife. Isn't that what we do? We like eat with our fork and put it down and we grab our knife. He's like, try this. Put the fork in your left hand and the knife in your right hand. Boom! Changed my life. I can eat a hamburger and fries with a fork and knife. I can do it. <laughs> Maybe I've just revealed too much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's transformational learning. Talk to Christy, he'll transform your life. (laughs) Head to heart, baby. Head to heart. That's what it's about. Jesus speaks to his disciples. It's not meant to be information. It's not meant to be just words on a, on a card or anything like that. 
Jesus wants to change your life. And I think that's why you're here today. And Jesus wants to speak to you. Why are we studying the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' special teaching for his disciples. It's for those who want to learn Christ. The Sermon on the Mount is the best description in the New Testament of what a Christian is and is meant to be. Do you guys know that? Say that one more time. The very best description in the New Testament of what a Christian is and is meant to be. It's right here in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Jesus himself lived out the Sermon on the Mount. Think about that. Love what the great evangelical preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He said, The Sermon on the Mount is the most complete single delineation in the New Testament of what might be called a true Christian. It is the sum and substance of the Jesus way. Some of you might be skeptical of Christianity because maybe it's because of the Christians you've met. And I would say don't evaluate Christianity based on Christians. I would say evaluate Christianity based on Christ. And we would all do well today to take a fresh look at the Jesus way and what might be considered true Christianity speaking to his disciples. And look, there's no way around it. This series is going to get personal. Come on, son. You eat with a fork. Or, sorry, you eat with a spoon. Personal. This isn't just a speech about religion. Jesus is going to talk to you about things going on in your life. He's going to talk to you about your anger. He's going to talk about your marriage. He's going to talk about your finances. He's going to talk about prayer life. He's going to talk about hypocrisy. He's talking about our heart. He's talking about my heart. And it's going to get personal. But personal is transformational. So we begin a journey today. But the banner over this entire sermon, you're going to see it, is love. And Jesus is going to teach us, this is so exciting, how to illuminate our world with the powerful, life-changing, agape love of Jesus Christ. It's exciting. It's all about love. So here's my question as we kick off 2020. Very simple. Crowder Disciple. Where do you want to be? Is it okay to be in the crowd today? It's okay to be in the crowd. Jesus wants to speak to you. But I believe some of you are here today and you want to say yes to something more than you're doing right now. And it's not just about adding a little fitness or a little diet, but it's really about changing your life and experiencing the reality of God's kingdom. And that's what Jesus is inviting you today. And so this is your moment. Come on, right now. Start of a new year. Start of a new decade. This is it. This is the moment to say yes to Jesus, to come to Christ, to separate yourself from that crowd. Take that step and say, I'm going to learn from him. I want to learn Christ and experience his kingdom.
Here's what's amazing. You don't have to do this by yourself. Isn't that kind of nice? When Jesus goes up that mountain, who comes with him? His small group. (laughs) You don't have to do this alone. The very first thing when Jesus started his ministry, he started a small group. Small group is a group of people who are going to support you. And it doesn't matter. Crowd or disciple, doesn't matter. You need a group of people to support you on this journey. In the next few weeks, we're beginning a brand new semester of small groups. I want to encourage everyone who's here today, get in a small group. Because we want to see everyone here at Hope, not just hearing about the Sermon on the Mount on Sunday mornings, but to process that in community during the week. Bring your questions. Bring the areas of your life that need to be changed. Get with a group of people because we grow together and we're better together. Get a part of a small group. Leaders are meeting today after service. We're going to be reaching out to you. If you're a part of a group, we're going to reach out to you. But listen, you can always, always, always talk to me or sign up on our website. Just click groups and sign up on our website. Last thing. Today we get to come to the table, and uh, I just can't think of a better way to start our year than to come to the table. I have no idea what 2020 holds for you. Some years are great years, some years are hard years. I mean, you just never know. But this I know. There's no better way to start your year than to commit it to Jesus Christ. That's what this table is all about. It's about coming to Jesus, getting away from, from the crowd, getting away from the noise, and having a moment with him. We want to give you that moment today to be with Jesus. It's called communion because we get to commune with Jesus. We get to commune with one another. It's a meal Jesus shared with his disciples. If you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus, this meal's for you. Or maybe you're still trying to figure that out. It's okay. You just let it pass by. It's not about religion. It's really about being genuine with God and one another. So I want to invite the ushers to come forward. I want to give you a moment to start your year with Jesus. These guys are going to bring the bread. They're going to bring the cup. And I'm going to let you have just some time with the Lord. And please hold on to the bread and cup. We're going to take that together all at the end. When everybody has been served, I'll pray for us. We'll take it all together, okay? So, uh, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to be with you. Still our hearts. Let us be still and know that you're God in Jesus' name.